BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. TIKA.com. Welcome to Worst Year Ever, a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the worst year ever. We'll get through it together or not. Everything is so dumb, 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 dumb. Hey guys, welcome back to the worst year ever. My name's Katie Stoll. I've got a name, it's Cody Johnson. Right. Hello. Hi. That's all. That's the guy. That's all. Is Hi, Robert. Today, we decided to sit down uh, with Jenny Ma from the Center for Reproductive Rights to discuss some of the ways that governments are, <laughs> well, trying to, to take away our abortion rights in, in different states. Uh, I, I don't know if very many of you have seen these stories. It's really easy to get lost in the shuffle with all the other news that's going on, but this is a very real and scary thing that happened almost immediately after uh, shelter-in-place orders were announced. So we were really lucky to sit down with Jenny and and hear about the different cases they have going on and the steps that they're doing to fight this. Well, hargle dargle boog boog, let's have us a conversation. Let's play, let's play the audio of that. Okay. That's, Should we my, do that? That's our new catchphrase. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure we can. Take it away, Daniel. All right. Well, today we are joined by Jenny Ma, who is a senior staff attorney with the Center for Reproductive Rights. Hi, Jenny. Hi. How are you all? I'm doing okay. How are you? We're hanging in there. Thanks so much for having <laughs> me today. <laughs> well, we're we're really grateful uh, to you for taking the time to speak with us. Uh, we know you're very very busy, but we're very excited to hear what you are working on over there. Uh, I'm sure most of our listeners are familiar with your organization, but can you start by telling us a little bit about the center and what it does? Sure. Um, The Center for Reproductive Rights is a global organization, so we work on domestic as well as global matters, and we use the power of the law to advance reproductive rights Mm -hmm. as fundamental human rights around the world. And my role um, as a litigator is to litigate in state and federal courts um, to ensure that unconstitutional laws do not go into effect um, across the United States. 
That's a really concise answer. It seems like mm-hmm. you've done that before. <laughs> um, so we have a mission. <laughs> you do have a mission. Uh, well, with everything going on right now, um, I, we're seeing that it's really easy to lose track of all the different ways that you know, governments are kind of using coronavirus as a cover to chip away at rights. Uh, For example, we've seen a lot of states trying to shut down or shutting down abortion clinics, you know, saying that it's in the interest of public safety, despite that being very counterintuitive. Um, And I know that that is something that you're currently really enmeshed in, and we would love to have you walk us through what's happening, you know, from before the virus up until now and all the stuff that we should be aware of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hopefully some of your listeners have heard what's been going around um, across the United States with regards to abortion yeah. and what's been going on with COVID-19. But um, if I can backtrack just a little bit, the center did have this um, case argued before the Supreme Court. Um, it was called June Medical Services versus Russo way back when, which seems like a lifetime ago, um, back in March 4th. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, five years ago in March. A <laughs> hundred years ago, a century ago. Um, and, you know, coming off of that, we really thought that we were going to enter into a time where we would just watch the state legislatures and see if they would pass bans or other restrictions. That's what we do in a normal year. Every year, state legislatures meet. Sometimes there'll be proactive bills to protect reproductive rights, but oftentimes, as you guys have probably mm-hmm. seen in the media, there's bans being um, promulgated to like 20-week bans, um, six-week bans, 15-week bans. Like, and, and most recently, last year, you saw Alabama try like basically a total ban on a Yes. So that's what we track normally. And if it gets to a point where um, those um, bills become law, we go ahead and um, bring uh, our lawsuits in court. Um, So our state team very much tracks those laws. Our litigation team goes to court and and tries to block those laws. And that's kind of the the bread and butter of what I do. Mm -hmm. Now, when coronavirus and COVID-19 crisis began, um, as many of your listeners are out there, um, you know, we began to work from home. And we started to see basically that first week um, several states pass um, either through their governor's executive orders or through the health department, these notices. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically they, they were very differently worded, you know, across the different states. But it said something like, you know, your non-essential, your elective or minor procedures would have to be postponed. Now, I want to emphasize that makes total sense, right? Like if you have your nose job scheduled, you should probably hold off in the time of COVID-19. Yeah, no Botox right now, please. Right, exactly. So hold off on that, y'all. Like get it later. Um, But then we saw, um, you know, none of these orders had the word abortion in it. Um, You know, we saw some that had actually proactive measures, Um, That, you know, we saw it from Illinois, New Jersey, Massachusetts, California, Michigan, the the kind of states roll on saying, but definitely not for pregnancy related care, definitely not for reproductive care, including abortion. So we saw some protective measures. Now, of course, you know, your spidey sense kind of tingles Mm -hmm. when you kind of words like this, right? And um, and, and this is not us being paranoid because clearly time has shown that that's exactly what certain states did. But we started tracking um, kind of the actions of different governmental actors in certain states that are the 
what I like to call market leaders in abortion restriction. Okay. Right? Um, so it's the typical group of folks um, um, in these states. And we saw the first one out, you know, we were tracking several states um, in the South and the Midwest, and we saw Ohio's governor on that Saturday after their executive order issued kind of publicly go out there and say, well, of course, abortion is non-essential, uh-huh. non-time sensitive. And uh, everything has to stop because, you know, you can stop a pregnancy, right? <laughs> yeah, that's not time sensitive. We only have uh, bans for, you know, time sensitive bans, but it's not time sensitive. Isn't the no, whole point that it's time sensitive? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like you can put pregnancy on a shelf, right? So, no, that's not what happened. So, of course. Just delay um, your due date. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Just hit the pause. So obviously this alarmed a lot of lawyers. So we got together with a lot of our litigating friends out there. So we work a lot with Planned Parenthood, ACLU, and the Lawyering Project, um, along with my organization, the Center for Reproductive Rights. We decided, okay, we're going to start tracking what's going on here since Ohio like clearly put us on higher alert. There were certain states that we were pretty sure, um, you know, would act similarly Mm -hmm. and would follow suit. So you can imagine Texas was high up there and and go into what went on there. But um, so that's kind of what we started to see. And then we started seeing kind of more and more public displays by attorney generals, by governors, um, by different health department officials saying, yeah, you know what? abortion is going to be banned for this time period. And we're going to say that it's non-essential. We're going to say it's not time sensitive and you're going to have to halt um, during this time. Now, I want to just say that, you know, there's some intuitive appeal to this. So I want to kind of make it clear to you all and your listeners, right? Yeah. Um, Pregnancy is not static. I think that's a basic principle. And these states are saying you can save all sorts of the equipment that you need during this pandemic, you know, and you, you should just put it on hold because it's not essential. And I want to just make clear two things. One, the states that are saying this are the same offenders that have tried yeah. to get it, right? I want to just be clear that it's, it's not like- It's all very our- transparent. Right. It's, it's what's been clear. And, um, you know, they are putting press releases out there saying they're going to shut down clinics um, and they're making their goal as explicit as possible. Like the purpose is so clear when they're out there, just kind of putting it um, out there in the public. It's, it's pretty wild. And then I just want to also emphasize the science, right? Forget the lawyers. Like my job is to make arguments um, um, for our clients, but science has weighed in here. And immediately, and I wonder why, right? You know, the American Medical Association, who truthfully had not weighed in on abortion for the longest time, um, put out there that this is not a time for politicians to be um, (laughs) deciding what is time essential and what is not. Like, those are for the doctors and providers and healthcare professionals to decide, right? And that's a basic concept. And the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, which is the leading um, medical group for um, OBGYNs explicitly said, and, and they came out almost immediately when they started seeing this initial trend in Ohio and Texas. And they said, look, this is not, abortion is t- absolutely time sensitive care. It is necessary if you are pregnant yeah. to go either get OB care if it's a wanted pregnancy and absolutely get your abortion if it's an unwanted pregnancy because abortion is essential health. Do you remember the date? 
that that happened when when people first started to notice this was happening? Yeah, it was a little bit over a month ago. And I think if you kind of Google our friendly Ohio, yeah. there, we can see that. But it's around, I would say, we started March, March 16th, that yeah. week, March 16th, and really kind of picking up um, that week. And so it's been a little bit over a month. And of course, I've mentioned two states, Texas and Ohio, but um, it's not just them, right? Not just them. Right? <laughs> so now we have eight states that have been explicit. And I just want to emphasize here before we, if you want to go into detail about those eight states, but those eight are the ones that there are lawsuits on. Um, right. My colleagues and um, the litigating groups I mentioned were also monitoring and preparing legal papers in several states that have like right. had these stop goes, like there were these public statements and then there was a withdrawal. And, and, and so there are way more than eight states that kind of thought about mm-hmm. this and using this opportunity and pandemic to ban abortion care. But these eight states, um, like I said, are the, are the worst offenders. <laughs> Before we move forward, I just wanted to clarify when we talk about these states uh, announcing these, these bans, um, you know, stops, are, they're saying that it's temporary. Are they putting out, are they saying that? I'm assuming they are for now, but as the same as our stay at home orders, just keep getting extended. I'm wondering if they're saying it's just for a few weeks or what have you, and you can wait a few weeks. Is that kind of what we're seeing? So in some states, yes, right? So they're not, you know, copy and paste in all of these states. So in certain states, there are, okay, it's going to last till the end of the month. In certain states, they'll be like, oh, if but it'll get extended if necessary. Some states actually don't have anything. Some states actually say until further notice, Mm -hmm. which is actually even more offensive because it's so clearly a ban, right? Um, But I just want to be clear that um, abortion care is incredibly safe but it is more safe if you get it earlier, right? There's no reason to delay healthcare in any capacity. And for a state legislator and state officials to be saying, you know what, even though like this is considered essential healthcare by the AMA and all of the leading health and public health officials that are out there, we still want you to stop. We still want you to wait a month or wait even longer than that because no one knows how long this is going to go, right? And so- on the surface, this is infuriating, but it's even more so when you start to think about who specifically this is affecting. Um, you know, the majority of people that require abortions. I don't have those statistics, but I know I know that they're, you know, maybe they're people that are single mothers or you already have children and they are low income and now they are without work or they're now in charge of the daycare for their existing children or... God, even there's people that are sheltering in place in environments where they aren't safe to communicate with their partner. Maybe they're sheltering with their abuser and they don't have anybody they can reach out and talk to about this stuff. Um, and and this guise of saying that this is for public health and public safety is so backwards because the opposite happens. Yes, people might take matters into their own hands or they're going to try to go out of state to find treatment. And a lot of these people are in states in states that are surrounded by other states that also have abortion bans or what have you. Yes. So this is absolutely true. You've hit upon so many burdens that we see from our clients, patients all the time in normal circumstances. Yeah. So exactly what you said. Most of the 
folks who do get abortion care from our clients are low income. Most actually, the majority of abortion um, clients are already mothers. Um, they are um, in certain states, primarily African-American black women. Mm-hmm. And so there are a, always burdens in order to even access care in states that are trying to chip away that right um, ever since Roe versus Wade. And now in this pandemic, when we're all under heightened anxiety, when we're all under additional stresses mentally, financially, and so on, those are completely exacerbated um, when you have maybe your job has been cut Maybe someone in your family's job has been cut or your childcare person can't come, right? Yeah, For those right. of your who have kids, this is very acute, right? Um, and if you, many people who are already mothers are trying to access that care. And then you get to places like Texas, which now we've had almost six times of stop and go, right? We've had um, patients sitting in the waiting room ready that day after having gone through, by the way, I want to emphasize all of the other restrictions that you already have to go through, like your waiting periods and listening to bias counseling and having unnecessary medical tests performed on you prior to even getting into that room. And then you sit there and all of a sudden the appellate court, you know, over in New Orleans decides that um, you can't get your medication abortion today. And we've actually, our clients have turned away people at that point. And the human story of this is that it is incredibly difficult. It's not like those patients live a block away, right? Right. To get there in the place, to have, um, be able to have paid enough to go there, um, to have traveled there, to be able to get back potentially to um, an abusive partner who might not, you know, know what's going on or to your kids. And that was your only opportunity or, um, you know, most recently there have been roadblocks placed in the roads between Texas and Louisiana. What? Yeah. Just checks to see, um, because Louisiana had been a hotspot. Okay. Okay. And, and if you're undocumented or, um, you know, you don't want to explain a medical procedure to random highway patrolmen, Mm. (laughs) it's just adding so much on top of what you already have to deal with. And if you get turned away, many people will not be able to find their way back. And like you said, because pregnancy is not static, your options are, if it's an unwanted pregnancy, to get an abortion, um, hopefully um, there's reproductive health care in your state. But if not, you're going to travel. And that goes absolutely to the antithesis of what you're supposed to be doing right now, right? Like you're supposed yeah. to be within your community. And instead, you're leaving your community, taking the drive, going into another community, coming back. Stopping at a gas station. Yeah, gas stations. You know, you get your snack. And it's just, and then coming back to your community, which is the opposite mm-hmm. of what you want to do. So it goes contrary to the goals. And then if you cannot obtain your abortion, your options are to stay pregnant. And, you know, seek obstetrics care. There's a, you know, we have OBs who say this is the schedule you should be on if you're pregnant. And um, I hope that um, people are getting that care. But even if they're not, the end result of a pregnancy is to carry to term. And it really is forced pregnancy at that point. And it's, it's like disturbing to me. I, I mean, it's all very dystopian it's feeling. Very dystopian. It feels um, like we're living in the handmaid's chill right it now. It does. It does. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. 
Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. When you say stop and go orders six times in Texas, um, you just mean since the start of this, the pandemic here. Um, Can you tell us a little bit what, uh, let's talk about Texas specifically, because I know that that's been confusing a lot of for for people that live in Texas, uh, of course, but for all of us, um, I've seen that. You know, they were going to have this ban and then there was a stop on that. And then, oh, no, never mind. It is in place. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about where we stand right now? And then also in the other states that you've been seeing stuff happen? Yeah, sure. I'll start with Texas because that was one of the first lawsuits out. Yeah. Um, We saw around that time period I mentioned, around March 22nd, um, their executive order issued. So Texas issued an executive order. It limited certain types of non-essential care. Um, but of course, again, like I said in the beginning, there's there was no mention of the word abortion, um, nothing about reproductive health care. The next day, the attorney general there um, issued a press release singling out abortion providers and suggesting that any abortion would be prohibited under the executive order. So then, of course, what do we do? We file our lawsuit. Uh, again, it was one of the first states out. Um We filed in federal court in the Western District of Texas, and um, immediately after, we got a wide, what's called a temporary restraining order, 
restraining order parts might seem um, normal, <laughs> you know, regular to, to your listeners who are not lawyers. But this is basically um, something where we go into court almost on like an emergency basis. It's saying, look, judge, we need an answer from you right away to keep the status quo. We need to stop whatever is happening. Um, and we can do the whole evidence part and we can do the hearing later. But for now, based on what we said here and based on these various um, statements that we've put together, please stop the state from doing what they're doing. So we got a very broad TRO. Um, that's temporary restraining mm-hmm. order again. Um, and that was granted to us on March 30th. Um, that allowed all abortion care to continue. So between when the AG said no abortions uh-huh. and before we got that order, there was no abortion care provided in the state. So now back, we're back, um, you know, and abortion care is allowed. And of course, what does the state do? The very next day, they seek an emergency, um, what's called a mandamus petition to the appellate court. So the court, the next court up, which is in the Fifth Circuit. Um, and they say, the district court judge made such a big mistake here. We really need to take it back. And not only that, during while you think about it, we want you to take it away immediately. That's how cruel like it was. It wasn't even like, please, you know, wait till the complete you, you get the right. papers from the lawyers. So, lo and behold, that's what they did. So now, no abortions can happen in Texas. Anyway, to go back and forth on this, we we went through um, and we then got medication abortions. Yes. And then procedural abortions closer to the gestational limit in Texas, yes. Then that wasn't even satisfactory to Texas. So they went back to the appellate court and said no to medication abortions. So it went back. We describe it as almost whiplash and we describe it as like a roller coaster. And you can choose your own kind of um, synonym here. But it it really was um, wild for our clients and just an incredible journey that they've been through over this time period when we've all been processing what's been yeah. going on with COVID-19, right? And when you're trying to give healthcare to your clients and, um, you know, uh, a, a couple of judges far away get to decide what happens to your patients. It's really quite heartbreaking. And the latest, I mean, we almost went to the Supreme Court with it, actually, because of the, the ban on medication abortions. We did withdraw when the state finally um, decided that um, most recently, um, as of yesterday, a new executive order has been in place and um, we have decided to pull our application for any um, relief in terms of immediate relief because the state has said now all abortions can continue. Okay. So to report that as of you know, your listeners who live in Texas and surrounding states, um, abortion care is moving forward in all aspects in Texas. What strikes me about this story is just how, what a ghastly waste of their time and energy during this crisis to be saying, I'm going to spend so much time going back and forth about haggling about this thing that, that, These rights that women deserve to have access to to healthcare for, and during the height of this pandemic, and yes, like you said, when we're dealing with so many other things, and how else can they be using that time to serve their state? You know, absolutely. And I think personally, I find that one of the most offensive things here is we we ended up right now. (laughs) Let me say, as of today, we ended up with these cases, these eight states, but 
we tried for the longest time and, and we're continuing to try for the longest time not to bring these lawsuits, right? Yeah, of course. It's not what I would like to be doing right now. <laughs> I hope that these health departments spend time and money on their citizens of their states and trying to flatten the curve in their respective mm-hmm. states. We should not be having litigation against the medical advice of all of these organizations against trying to prevent people from accessing care. Yeah. Um, like basically pushing people away from the state and creating like a situation where it's just, uh, just impossible. And so I am so glad that people in Texas can now access care. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that every single district court judge, and I want to really emphasize that the law, um, at least in the lower courts, held strong. Every single district court judge said, "Amazing, but this is too far, including many who were actually appointed by President Trump. So it wasn't even along political ideologies. Um, Are there any states that still, um, it still is a threat that they might take away? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, um, the states that I'll just list them, so um, yeah, yeah. Them and in case people live in them, um, Alabama, Arkansas, Iowa, Ohio, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Louisiana, and Texas are the states that are currently um, having some form of litigation or had. Um, in Oklahoma, as of today, only medication abortions are allowed. Um, This was after we won um, broad relief um, at a preliminary injunction hearing. And then immediately, similar to what Texas did, the state went um, to ask to stay that decision. So um, that has all been going on. There is a new order in Oklahoma that makes it um, incredibly um, difficult because they require COVID-19 testing of the patients. Okay, Um, okay. And as you guys know, I don't know if you all have been tested, but I, I can't seem to figure it's out. Hard, it's, it's hard, hard to, to shake, shake out a test these days. These days. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so that, that's really been um, a, a substantive roadblock. So right now, medication abortions are being provided there. Um, and then in Arkansas, um, that's another um, state where only medication abortions are being provided as of today. But these lawsuits are ma- moving so quickly. So yeah. I mean, Honestly, tomorrow it could be a different yeah. story. Yeah. Whenever you guys, when you guys hear this, be sure to double check and see where, where things stand currently in, the, in these states. Welcome to the worst year ever. We'll get through together or not. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. 
The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. I want to go back and talk a little bit about uh, June Medical Services versus Rousseau. I believe you mentioned that up top. Um, But that was the case that you were trying and like was going to the Supreme Court before all of this hit. Am I I correct here? That is correct. Again, Um, it seems like so long ago, but yeah, correct. From what I understand, it's involves, uh, it involves a, a Louisiana law, Act 620, um, that would leave the state with just one doctor to provide abortions for approximately one million women. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So that was um, heard by the Supreme Court on March 4th. And again, with all of these cases, there's a long backstory. So I'll try to give a short yeah. synopsis. Um This admitting privileges law, again, was similar to what the states are saying now during COVID-19, right? It's for public health and safety, um, except that all of the medical organizations disagreed and said, actually, does it make sense for a physician to have admitting privileges within 30 miles of where they provide care? Admitting privileges are when, so a doctor can only provide an abortion if they have admitting privileges. Uh, to a main hospital in a district, but in a lot of these states, doctors that provide abortions are not given admitting privileges. That's correct. It's like a crazy catch-22. Right. So that's it's something that like a a big hospital um, would provide to a doctor who doesn't have an affiliation necessarily with the hospital. And you say, okay, you... You, and it's it's basically a contract that says, you know, you're going to admit X amount of people and you're going to have these, you know, whatever kind of um, relationship that you have with the physician. And the problem with that is, you know, abortion care is exceedingly safe. And oftentimes, even if the hospital is willing to give mm-hmm. a provider of abortion care admitting privileges, they're not going to meet the minimum requirements, right? You know, hospitals okay. are a business and yeah. um, they're going to want X amount of people admitted and you just don't have that. So actually, in the Louisiana case, um, in our Supreme Court case, the only physician who was who would be able to get admitting privileges would be able to do so because they had their own OBGYN mm-hmm. practice separate and apart from the abortion care practice, right? 
So just to backtrack and how Louisiana decided that this law was going to go all the way up, years ago, when we first started seeing these laws in, in 2010s and, and on, we saw the law um, appear in several states, including in Louisiana and Texas. Mm-hmm. Again, several market leaders of these <laughs> yeah. types of laws. Um, and what we saw was um, Texas had um, an admitting privileges law as well as a requirement that all abortion care be provided in a surgical center. Um, that case went all the way up to the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And that case was called Holman's Health versus Hellerstead. The center um, represented the Texas providers in that case. And we won in a 5-4 decision um, that explicitly said that when you think about these abortion restrictions, you need to weigh the real benefits. So evidence-based real benefits, not just Mm -hmm. what a legislature says or seems to say um, about health and safety, but what real evidence shows against the burdens, all the things that you and I talked about um, with what people, real people go through to access their abortion care. So it really was thinking about it almost like a cost-benefit analysis. You weigh the scale, and if it tips where the burdens um, are greater, then the law is unconstitutional. So the Supreme Court already weighed in on admitting privileges in 2016. Very, very recently. Very recently. And the Supreme Court is not in the business of looking at cases you know, three years down the line. Yeah. But in 2016, they said Texas's admitting privileges law is unconstitutional, bar none. And all of the states thereafter that had admitting privileges just started saying, look, we, we see the writing on the wall. We're going to either okay. withdraw those laws or enter into settlements. So right after Home and Health, you saw a flurry of states say, okay, we got it. We got the mandate from the Supreme Court. It's the law of the mm-hmm. land, right? And it's weighed in, period. One state held out. <laughs> that state <laughs> is Louisiana. Louisiana. They took it all the way and they said, no, no, we think ours is different, um, even though it was modeled on the Texas law itself. Um, and they, we had a trial. The trial judge had extensive fact finding and we won at the trial level. Then the, the state appealed to that Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals and they won um, there. And the court, the, the Fifth Circuit there actually reweighed a lot of the evidence, which is not something that um, an appellate court is supposed to do. So that's really the job of the first court, the district mm-hmm. court. It's not supposed to be something that the next court does, which is supposed to just look at the law's application. Like, because when you're at a trial, you can look at that witness's face and know how credible or, you know, or make a determination of how credible that person is, right? As a district court judge, you don't get that on the appellate level. You just get a a cold transcript and you just read it. And that's something, but that's why you, the appellate court applies laws, not, um, you know, redoes the facts. But in in, in our case, (laughs) um, the, the Fifth Circuit panel did do that. They sided with Louisiana and we asked, the Supreme Court, um, the center representing our clients to medical services, asked the Supreme Court to just what's called summarily reverse. So just j- don't even think about it, right? <laughs> it's so obvious. No, it's just like, why, you know, the Supreme Court's busy. There's so many other huge topics to consider. You don't go back on the decision that you made three right. years ago. Like, it is so simple. Obviously, the appellate court messed up here. All you have to say is reverse. 
They decided not to do that. And um, the next thing that we asked them to do was to take the case. And, and I want to just, for those folks who have followed this extensively and, and, and I've heard this question a lot asked, which is like, oh, should we be you know, worried when the Supreme Court takes up an abortion case, right? Like, should we, should that sound the alarms? And, and I want to say, um, you know, obviously we're looking at a different composition and I yeah. don't know what the outcome of the case will be, but in this case, in June Medical, we did ask SCOTUS to take it because we, the, the other alternative, if, if the Supreme Court didn't weigh in, was that the law would go into effect, right? And right. then we would have that landscape that oh, we were talking about. So frustrating. It's so frustrating that you have such a recent precedent set. And here we are needing to bring it back to the Supreme Court already. And I mean, if ever, but yeah, already. And yes, now we have a a completely new makeup of the Supreme Court. It's terrifying. So I believe that this is the first real challenge to Roe v. Wade that we're seeing under this new makeup, correct? This is the first reproductive rights case, abortion yeah. case, that's before um, this new um, set of justices. I want to say that if the rule of law holds, and it's really important, right? right. Law is built on the one before it, um, and there can be different interpretations. But when the law is exactly the same, yeah. Yeah. and I want to really emphasize, you know, it was modeled after the Texas law. We should not have been in this position, but when we find ourselves there, no matter what president, um, you know, appointed that justice, the law should remain the same if our rule of law holds. So I want folks to know that whether, you know, you think about abortion at all, no matter which side of the spectrum you might fall on, on, on the abortion debate, that it is really integral that the court holds this decision because if this falls right in this area, it can be used to chip away at precedent in a lot of other types of mm-hmm. scenarios. And I think that's really quite dangerous for me as a lawyer who, you know, believes that the Supreme Court will uphold the rule of law, right? Yeah, as they should. Yeah. And if it wasn't about abortion, I really believe this would have been like a nothing, mm-hmm. nothing case. So where does that stand now? <laughs> I mean, we're all sheltering in place. I mean, how does your work even continue right now? I know that you're very busy. Are you guys... Skyping in with people in in the chambers or at their homes and their home offices. Yeah, so it's been interesting, right? So the courts have adjusted. Um, so, f- for example, not that we are before the Supreme Court again, but there was a little bit of a hiatus that the court took, and then now they are resuming telephonically. Um, so very okay. similarly, um, you know, a lot of our work is done on our computers, drafting papers, but when we are in quote unquote, in court, um, we will do it through telephonic conferences or, you know, some judges have asked for Zoom. Okay. <laughs> so they are technologically advanced, which is very cool. <laughs> um, and so, you know, you wear your suit. I was going to say, do you get dressed up? Do you wear a, a nice shirt and your pajama bottoms? Right, exactly. <laughs> Got your stretchy yoga pants going on. Exactly right. So <laughs> that's how we're kind of making do. Um, and, you know, it's been interesting. Um, I am I have to say kudos to the state governments um, and and judges out there who are making it work and adjusting to these hard times. Um, You know, obviously there are pressures, not only with all of the COVID-19 abortion cases, but 
a lot of criminal cases, criminal yeah. justice cases coming up, a lot of um, very pressing issues in this time. So um, they are really um, adjusting and making um, it so that there's no interruption in justice. Yeah, well, that's something. Um, <laughs> are there any other uh, things that you are working on that are on your radar that we should be aware of? Yeah, um, you know, so... I don't want the picture to be bleak, mm-hmm. right? Like I mentioned, even in the COVID crisis, we had some states actively protect healthcare yeah. and actively protect abortion care. So um, there is another side of our practice that involves proactive work. So this is actually where we are protecting access or increasing access. And um, I just want to give a shout out to um, the Commonwealth of Virginia. The legislature passed a bill and the governor just signed into law a reproductive health um, act that would take away um, several abortion restrictions, including an unnecessary waiting period. So now, um, you know, starting as as soon as um, July 1st, you can just get your abortion care the day of instead of these unnecessary barriers, taking away the need for patients to read um, unnecessary literature that the state has has produced um, that was largely medically inaccurate, um, allowing um, advanced practice clinicians to provide care and also um, lifting up um, what's called a a trap law, targeted regulation of abortion providers. So making it really much more accessible for people to access care. And I just want to say that because that's just one example of the work that um, advocates as well as the center have been doing to um, looking at the big picture of the United States, right? Like yeah, Virginia yeah. is one state where it kind of is is the northernmost southern state and the southernmost northern state, right? <laughs> and so it, it holds a place where when you look around the picture, it, it's it's great to shore up access in that state. So um, the picture is not bleak. We're still working on many states and um, working with legislators and um, you know fighting battles in court to preserve access and also protect access. I love that. Uh, I'm very grateful to hear in, in positive news like that, especially in this bleak, land, otherwise bleak landscape across the board. Um, that's really incredible to hear. And yeah, I mean, it uh, it's great for that state, but also it sets a benchmark for other states. It starts to change the temperature in general in the South. Um, and yeah, I, I love that. Are there things that our listeners can be doing to support you guys, to support these efforts? If they live in states where it is really tricky to have access to abortions, are there things that we can do for our fellow citizens to take action into our own hands? Yeah, absolutely. I would just, you know, one thing is to just be knowledgeable, right? To to focus on facts. (laughs) I think all across the board, you know, we, uh, your listeners, myself, we should all focus on on facts and um, legitimate authorities. Um, And I also would say really provide if you have any financial capabilities to abortion funds right now, especially in the states that I've mentioned, um, and especially in places where there are lower access, because right now they are taking up so much work in, you know, providing, um, you know, the ability for people to be able to either leave the state or even access within the state. Um, so I just want to give a shout out to, um, if you don't know uh, an abortion fund in one of those, do look it up on the National Network of Abortion Funds. And they have a great website called abortionfunds.org. And you pop in your state and you can figure out um, a whole list of places to give to. And you don't really even have to have that much, right? Like, honestly, 
a small donation makes a huge difference and they have really cool swag. Okay. <laughs> and I would also say, um, you know, I would be remiss if I don't give a shout out to my own organization. Yes. Again, you know, we are, you know, keeping up the fight, both um, what you've heard today, but globally across um, the, the entire country and the world. So um, Center for Reproductive Rights, you can find us online as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jenny. This has been incredibly informative. I know you're incredibly busy, so we really, really appreciate your time. And, and I know our listeners do as well. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and we will be following all of these things closely. Absolutely. And I just want to say your podcast probably ha- is so prescient and it has the best title ever because <laughs> that's how everyone is feeling right now. <laughs> well, now it's my turn to say thank you for the praise I so desperately desire. That was Robert's uh, genius, stroke of genius. Although sometimes I wonder if we created this. We like... Willed it, yeah. This pandemic is our fault. Sorry. Um, and I, I take full responsibility. We all blame you, Robert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, hargle dargle boog boog. That was a conversation, wasn't it? Sure was. Fl- you guys like the, the new catchphrase? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's yep. catchy. Perfect. Make a t-shirt. Yeah, I just want to say one more. (laughs) And I'll just say one more time. Thanks to Jenny for joining us uh, for that interesting conversation. I felt the gamut of emotions, anger, frustration, relief, gratitude, and inspired. And I hope you guys feel those emotions. I thought you were going to end on frustration. (laughs) I felt all the, all the emotions, anger, frustration. All the emotions. That's, those are the ones. Those are the only two emotions this mm-hmm. year. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, all I have to say is thank you to our guests. And of course, a classic worst year ever. Hargle, dargle, bloop, bloop to all of you back at home. You can uh, follow us at Worst Year Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Katie at Katie Stoll. You can follow Cody at Dr. Mr. Cody. You can follow Robert at I Write OK. Oh, you can follow uh, the Center for Reproductive Rights on Twitter at Repro Rights. Perfect. Everybody have a great rest of your quarantine day. Wash your hands. Worst Year Ever is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. 
My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.